0: Father, thank you so much for your word this morning,
1: which, Lord, we treasure above everything. And, Lord, as we now, Lord, dive into your word, we pray that you would, Father, just uh, minister to us, be the second voice that's speaking this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 45, verse 17. Genesis 45, verse 17. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, this do ye, laid your beasts, go, get you into the land of Canaan, take your father, and take your father and your households and come unto me. And I will give you the good of the land of Egypt and you shall eat of the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do ye, take ye wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, for your wives, bring your father and come. Also regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is yours. The children of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh and gave them provision for the way. To all of them he gave each man changes of raiment, but to Benjamin he gave 300 pieces of silver and five changes of raiment. And to his father he sent after this manner: 10 asses laden with the good things of Egypt, 10 she asses laden with corn, and bread, and meat for his father by the way. So he sent his brethren away, and they departed, and he said unto them, See that ye fall not out by the way. <laughs> okay, now, what we have been studying here is this great invitation. This is the invitation. Very significant time, very significant point in the history of the Jewish people. Why? because here pharaoh is making this invitation for them to come down to Egypt that's what we're seeing in verse 19 when he says you're this th- 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 thou art commanded this do ye it says take your wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones your wives and bring your father and then this great invitation where pharaoh the, the pharaoh of Egypt says come and from this invitation now the Jewish people will spend 400 years in a new land, in a new uh, uh, land for them, Egypt. I mean, that's a long time. I mean, just think about it. That's twice the time, twice the amount of time that the U.S. has been a nation about. And it looked very good to the Jewish people. It looked very good when they arrived and they came to the most lush area in Egypt and they were told, this is your new home. I mean, can't you imagine how those brothers, when they arrived there, and they, they arrive in this uh, Egyptian uh, Goshen there, this... This Egyptian Garden of Eden to be nourished by the ruler of Egypt, and they must have thought to themselves, "That's a great new home." You know, some of their brothers, uh, if not all of them, when they saw Goshen, they might have said something like, "Very nice, very nice. I could get used to this." And and I mean, and they probably thought, "You know, who needs Canaan with all the drought and the dust?" and, And 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 here we are in this most beautiful. Lush banks of the River Nile, and this is going to be my new home. I don't think I ever want to see Canaan again. I'm going to kind of finish with Canaan. Did you know that when 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 uh, Herzl was uh, was was uh, was promoting a Jewish homeland, did you know where he wanted it to be? <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't Israel, what we know as Israel today. Did you know where it was? It was Uganda. <laughs> I've been to Uganda. It's not bad. Very nice. Lots of banana trees, you know. That's where he wanted. But anyway, but it, it, that would have been an Egypt for them. Because Egypt also, well, well not to say this about Uganda, but Egypt was a land that was filled with idolatry, filled with sensual pleasures, Cleopatra and all, and everything that God hates. And the Jewish people were in danger of loving Egypt, so just like Christians are in danger of loving the world. So God had a remedy for that problem. Enter one new Pharaoh from Exodus 1.8. Why didn't they say it? Exodus 1.8. And there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. So God's remedy for Israel to not make Egypt their real home was a new king over Egypt, that which knew not knew not Joseph. Now, seeing Israel had come into this beautiful region is a picture of what happens to us, especially for us who live in San Diego, America's finest city. I mean, just like Israel, we're in danger of also saying, "Very nice, very nice. I can get used to this. This is kind of like heaven on earth." I think I'll just make this my new home and and be like the one tribe that said, "I don't think we. Have, I want to go over the River Jordan there. This is a nice place." But, and just like God had a remedy for Israel not becoming too comfortable, so God has a remedy for us to not become too comfortable, and they're called trials. Trials, or so. So, Egypt coming in here, going through this whole history that we're beginning here of 400 years. There, it reminds me of a flight I took one time, and I may have told you this anyway. And I sat next to an Egyptian man. An Egyptian man was sitting next to me on the seat, and we got to talking. And he told me he was from Egypt. And I said, "Oh, Egypt, my people spent a lot of time in your country," I told them. I said, "Oh, yes, it was beautiful." I said, "The place that your Pharaoh gave to my people was outstanding, and your people were so hospitable. You even gave us a VIP transport from our whole country to bring our people to your country. Oh, it was wonderful." And, and I, and he's kind of scratching his head saying, well, what is he talking about? And I said, Oh, no, your pharaoh gave to my people the top eastern part of the river Nile right there at the Delta before it empties into the Mediterranean. It was very nice for cattle. See, my people had cattle and it was very nice for agriculture. Boy, were my people happy at your place. It was so nice, at least in the beginning. <laughs> I told him, I said, yeah, a couple hundred years, everything was just perfect. But then I think maybe we wore out our welcome. I don't know. But because a new pharaoh came along, and, and he didn't like my people, and he wanted, to, well, he wanted pyramids of all things. You know, so many pyramids he wanted. And so my people had to build these pyramids and pyramids. And, and then he imposed a kind of population control, and that wasn't very nice. And so the pyramids, the population control, and I told him, I said, we just wanted to leave, but your pharaoh didn't want us to leave. And finally we left. And our leaving from your country was so famous, a book was written about it. Can you believe it? <laughs> I said, and you know what the title of the book is? The Leaving. <laughs> That's the title of the book. It became a famous bestseller, I told him. And the amazing thing about it was I was talking and going on all this. He had no idea who I was talking, what I was talking about. He didn't know until I said, we had a very famous leader to bring us out of your country, and his name was Moses. Then he said, oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we cannot overlook how important verse 19 is because this invitation where Egypt hosts Israel for hundreds of years is the is time when Israel will grow from a people of around 70, a little more than 70 people to millions of people. And this was going to be the greatest honor and the glory for the country of Egypt when they were so hospitable to God's people, the Jewish people. But the greatest shame of Egypt was when they turned against and started to systematically kill the Jewish people. And in this sense, Egypt is very much like Germany because we talk a lot about the Holocaust of Germany and how the greatest shame of Germany is when they systematically killed the Jewish people. But just like with Egypt, we should never forget all the hundreds of years where Germany was very hospitable to the Jewish people. Jews flourished in Germany. And during those years, Germany was very good to the Jewish people. So from heaven's perspective, that was the time of Germany's greatest honor and glory when they were good to God's people. Now, we come now in, in our study here to verse 21. And this is the first time, there's something in verse 21. I want you to look at verse 21. And you tell me, what is there in ver- in, 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 in this verse, you know, the verse you see there, Verse uh, verse 21, yeah. What is there in verse 21 that appears for the first time in the Bible and is gonna continue on? What is there? For the first time they're called the children of Israel. That's right. Now, have you ever thought about that? I mean, have you ever thought? That's the first time in the Bible that the Jewish people are called the children of Israel. And so, it's, it, it, have you ever thought about that? I mean, how surprising this is for a title for the Jewish people I mean, there's Clint and there's Cody. And what if we say, well, they are the children of Mr. Cody? <laughs> they're, they're children. I mean, grown people like 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 Clint and and, and and Cody being called children? Children. I mean, it's such an interesting title that God has chosen to call the Jewish people. He's He's chosen to call them children, children of Israel. Now why would God do that? Why would God call this the people the children? I mean, it reminds me of a time when I was in Japan and, and our company's pres, Japanese president and I, we, we had just arrived by train from Tokyo to to Osaka. We were going to a business meeting. And, you know, in Japan, being on time for a business meeting is absolutely vital and paramount, you know, as I learned the hard way. But anyway, so, you know, always the, constantly, you know, with the time, conscious of time, and, uh, well, it's not this anymore, and now it's this. But anyway, constantly the time, you know. And so, like I said, we just, so we well, we make sure we get there on time. So we get into the taxi, and we don't know what the traffic's like or anything. So so our Japanese president, he asked the taxi driver, how long will it take for us to arrive at, uh, you know, Doshimachi Street there in, in, in Osaka? How long is it going to take? And the taxi driver just told him it was going to take about 20 minutes so, so he, he, he turned to me, our, uh, a friend of a Japanese president. He turned to me and he said these words. Mr. Driver said that it will take about 20 minutes. And when he said that to me, Mr. Driver, I started to laugh. Mr. Driver, I said, well, well, we'll I said, well, we'll tell him that Mr. Passenger says thank you. <laughs> I, I mean, I thought, it's so much like a child to say, Mr. Driver. And I thought, that's Japan. Japan is a company, a country of children, of children. And that's how God has chosen to call the Jewish people children, children of Israel. I mean, they may be 85 years old, but he's going to still call them children. And God has chosen to call his people children. And that's what makes it so important for us to see what God sees. In children that 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 help us to understand why he's chosen to do that, and unfortunately we have this account of the Lord Jesus when he encounters children in Mark ten thirteen. Mark ten thirteen is so interesting because it's the encounter of the Lord Jesus with children, where it says in Mark ten thirteen, and they brought unto they brought young children to him. They brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer, little children, to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. Now, here were, here were children. Here were children. They were brought to the Lord Jesus. And this was an opportunity for us, for everyone, to see his attitude toward children. And to see the Lord Jesus here with the children gives us insight into why Jehovah Jesus has chosen to call his Jewish people children or his people children in Genesis 45, 45, no, 21 here. The children of Israel. So in this account, in Mark 10, 13, we're not told who brought these children to the Lord Jesus, but we can assume it was their parents. I mean, why not? But the, and there were instances in the gospel where concerned parents came to the Lord Jesus to, to that he would heal their sick bodies. But these parents were not bringing their sick children to the Lord Jesus for healing. They were asking the Lord to do something not different from healing their children. They want the Lord Jesus to touch them. They want him to touch their their children. In Matthew's account, it says how, how they asked the Lord to put his hands on them and pray for them. I mean, his parents didn't come with a concern for the bodies of their children. They came with a concern for the souls of their children. These parents wanted it to be well with their souls of their children. And so they brought their children to the Lord so he would b- bless them. You know, And it wasn't easy for these parents. They had to battle through the obstacle of the disciples' protest, not wanting them to bring their children. But these parents were determined, and they they determined they broke through that opposition because these parents had an intense desire for their children to be close to the Lord and for the Lord to be close to them. These are amazing parents. Now, the idea of someone putting his hands on children to pray for them, that's not foreign. That's not foreign to the Bible because that's what Jacob did. That's what the, 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 the father Jacob did. He put his hands on Joseph's children we're going to see that we're going to come that genesis 48:14 genesis 48:14 where it says in israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon ephraim's head who was the younger and his left hand upon manasseh's head those were joseph's children and this is what these parents wanted the lord jesus to do just like jacob put his hands on his grandsons there the Lord Jesus wanted, they, they, the parents wanted the Lord Jesus to put his hands on their children and pray for them. It's such a precious picture. It's such a precious picture because the picture of parents bringing their children who are not yet capable of reaching their hands, little hands out to God. And so so parents are asking the Lord Jesus to reach his hands out to them. And that's what parents do when they bring their little children to church, And, 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 and so they can learn about God. They can have God in their lives. And when they're children who are not yet able to reach out their hands to God, and these parents bring them so that, and they're asking the Lord to reach his hands down to the children, that's a picture of intercessory prayer. That's what we do when we intercede. When we intercede for others, oftentimes we're asking the Lord to reach to those who are not able to reach out to him. That's what intercessory prayer looks like, especially for the lost. And 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 all we can say about these parents who brought their children to the Lord is that these are smart parents. These are very smart parents because they knew that the highest priority for their children was to get close to the Lord Jesus. These These parents could not have done better for their children than to bring them to the Lord. And parents could not do worse for their children than to not bring them to the Lord today. And it breaks my heart today to see to see children who raised without God. We have a whole generation that's grown up without God and another generation that is growing up now without God. It's the grand experiment of the devil that had the devil has put into the minds of these parents, the grand experiment to see this is what Europe has been engaged on. The great experiment to bring up generations without god you know sunday school was not originally instituted for adults sorry to say folks <laughs> and sunday school was not originally instituted for children for christian homes because it was the christian homes who were the, that was the center for the teaching about god so there was no need for sunday school for adults and for children because they because the teaching was in the homes Sunday school was instituted for children from non-Christian homes so that those children could learn about God. Sunday school was an outreach to the lost children to give them the teaching that Christian children's already received in their, in their homes. And it's unbelievable today that child evangelism fellowship that should be flooded with volunteers for teachers now has a large number of schools right here in San Diego where permission has been granted by those public schools to allow children to be taught about God on the public school campuses, and there are no teachers. There are no teachers to be found, no teachers for the after-school five-day clubs or even vacation Bible school. This is the greatest need for the future of our country, the greatest need for the future of the U.S. is not to teach children more science or, or more literature or more arts. The greatest need for our country is to teach them more God. Why? Because Hosea 4.6 is turning out to be true of our country. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee. And we're experiencing this type of destruction from within from a lack of knowledge of God, of people today who don't know who God is. It says in Amos 8.11, Amos 8.11, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a famine of thirst for water, but of hearing of the words of the Lord. So we're experiencing today a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. This is not to say that people don't know something about the Bible. It's not to say that, that people have not been exposed to the Bible, but there is a difference from knowing about the Bible and hearing the words of the Lord in the Bible. And there's a difference between knowing what the Bible is about and actually hearing God speak through the Bible to the soul. And that's what there's a famine of in our land today. And these, these parents, they understood this need for their children to be close to the Lord Jesus, and so they bring them they bring their children to the Lord Jesus. What a picture this is. This is what good parents do. They care for their children. What a picture this is of care. What we should do also, Peter made this promise, or Peter made this statement about the promise of salvation when he said in Acts 2.38, Acts 2.38, Peter said unto them, Repent ye, be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus, in the name of Jesus Christ, for their mission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, for this promise is unto you and to your children, and to your children. Lays an obligation on them, a responsibility. God wants the children to be saved. He told that. The prophet Isaiah told that to Israel when he said in Isaiah 44.3, Isaiah 44.3, he said, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, and floods upon the dry ground, I will pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thine offspring, that's the next generation, <clears throat> reminds me one time I was talking to a, <clears throat> a lost person, and he just had a baby, and I told him, well, what you need to do for that baby is you need to get saved yourself, so that you can then bring your child to the Lord, now the disciples, they 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 were trying to stop the children from coming, and 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 and, and they didn't want that. And 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 now the question becomes: well, I wonder how old these children were that are being referred to in this passage, Mark? I wonder how, were they twelve-year-olds? Well, we can get an idea how old they were when we look at Mark ten thirteen, because they're called young children, young children, and then the Lord refers to them. In the next verse, Mark 10, 14, he calls them little children. And then the next verse in Mark 10, 15 says that he took them up in his arms. So since he took these young little children up in his arms, it leads us to believe they were young. I mean, no, no, you bring, you have, you have yeah. plural children, you're going to take them in your arms. So how old are they? About one to four years old, somewhere in that range, one to four years old. That's the age group. That the Lord is referring to, maybe one to four years old. He's speaking of one to four year olds. And he says that every person needs to be like a one to four year old in receiving the kingdom of God. Now, you know, and and he says, unless you become like a one to four year old, you can't enter heaven.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. friendshipwithgod.org You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org.
1: Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia, headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scantabodies Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016
0: or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com.